All right. Good morning, St. Paul's. Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us on live stream. Uh, apologies about the audio trouble earlier. Um, thanks to those of you who, are, who mentioned that we had the problem. Um, obviously, if there ever is a problem in the future or throughout the rest of this live stream, just leave a comment to let us know so that we can hopefully adjust. But um, everything sound good so far, hopefully? All right. Cool. All right. So <clears throat> we are... Um, we're going to return to the book of Revelation soon to finish it. We've got six more chapters, and I'm excited to power through and finally get that done. Uh, but we're going to hold off just a little bit longer, and this morning we're going to do a New Year's reflection. This is what we did at the same time last year. I gave a message called uh, New Year, New Mercies. And uh, I went back, and I looked at that message... And I kept thinking about how the person who was giving it had no idea what was coming in 2020. I had no idea how much 2020 would expect, uh, would upset expectations. I had no idea that half of our services in 2020 would be live stream only. I had no idea that the pandemic would affect us so much. I had no idea that kids would be trying to go to school on Zoom or that Zoom would become such a normal part of our lives. I had no idea how much racial tension would boil over in the summer. I didn't know that a Yukon student would frighten all of Willington for several days due to a violent attack. I didn't know that my friend Chuck Redfern would pass away. I had no idea. Right? How unusual and difficult 2020 would be. None of us did. And looking on my past self reminds me that my current self is just as clueless about what's going to happen in 2021. Now, as Keith said earlier, I am very hopeful that 2021 is going to be different from 2020. I'm very hopeful that at some point in 2021, we will be gathered here together in a full chapel again. I am hopeful that that will happen. I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to travel around without feeling like we're being risky at some point in 2021. And I think there's good reasons to expect those things. I think th those things are more likely than not. But of course, the truth is, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in 2021, just as I didn't when 2020 arrived. And I wish I could stand up here and say, oh, I know what's going to happen. I know that we're all going to be happier and healthier in 2021, and the divisions in our society are going to be healed. But I don't know that. I imagine that there are some pastors out there who sound different than I do. Uh, in some branches of the church, it's not unusual for people to claim that they know what's happening in the immediate future. Of course, as Christians, we all believe certain things about what is going to happen in the ultimate future, right? We believe that Christ is going to return. We believe that the world is going to be made right. We believe that Jesus wins. But in the immediate future, um, we don't really know. But there are uh, some branches of the church where it's, it's not unusual for people to make bold pronouncements about knowing what is going to happen in the immediate, immediate future. You know, bold pronouncements about things like who's going to win an election, or when Christ will return, or when revival is going to break out in an area, that sort of thing. 
And in my personal experience, the people who make those kinds of predictions are wrong more often than they're right. Now, I'm not saying that God never reveals anything about the future. I'm not saying that. But it is undeniably true that many of the people who claim to know what is going to happen end up being wrong, even if they bear the identity of Christian or pastor. History shows us that. So I don't like to make predictions about what's going to happen. And I would caution you to be skeptical of the claims of people out there who do. I think a lot of well-meaning people claim to know things about the future because they think that making those kinds of claims is a sign that they have strong faith. I think many of them are well-meaning. They think that a strong faith is a faith that is bold enough to say, this is what's coming, I know it, I'm sure of it. But I think that's a misunderstanding of what strong faith really is. Strong faith isn't about declaring that we know what's going to happen in the next year or two or, or five. Strong faith is about trusting God in the uncertainty of not knowing what is going to happen. Right? Strong faith is trusting that God is with us and that he will care for us and that he will sustain us come what may. Okay, strong faith isn't all about certainty, it's about trusting God in uncertainty. 2021 might be a harder year than 2020. I hope not, but it might be. Or it might be pretty much the same. The pandemic might end, but we might be faced with another challenge. It's been interesting to me to hear people say things like, I can't wait for this year to be over. You know, as if once we go from December 31st to January 1st, something magical happens, and then all of a sudden the world has permission to solve its problems, which, of course, is not true. I had to laugh. One of, one of my friends, he posted a status on Facebook on December 31st that said, New Year's is an arbitrary, periodic demarcation in time, which is true. Thinking that 2021 arriving is somehow going to make all the difficulties of the previous year go away is kind of like thinking that all your personal problems are going to go away because it's your birthday. Right? It doesn't work like that. If you're seeing a therapist the day before your 36th birthday, you probably should keep seeing them when you turn 37. Right? And so in light of all this, right, in light of the uncertainty about the future, in light of the fact that there is nothing magical about this arbitrary demarcation in time, I think a good scripture passage to lead us into 2021 is Philippians 4, 10 through 13. So if you have your Bible at, at home, I encourage you to turn there. Philippians 4, 10 through 13. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at least you have renewed your concern for me. By the way, these are the words of the Apostle Paul. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. 
And Paul wrote these words about contentment when he was in prison, which I think should add to their significance for us. The church at Philippi had expressed concern about Paul, and he wrote back with appreciation, but he also said, I'm okay. I'm content. You know, basically, don't, don't worry about me. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, presumably whether in prison or in free. I think if he were alive today, I'm sure he would be happy to add in times of health or during a pandemic, in public or in quarantine, masked or unmasked, I'm content. For I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That last verse, verse 13, that is probably one of the most popular scripture verses to quote. I guarantee you that if you go to a Christian bookstore, you will find that verse on merchandise. You know, you'll find it on keychains and refrigerator magnets and throw pillows, maybe even on some oven mitts, you know. And it's a good verse, it is. But because we often hear it without the larger context, Sometimes we take it the wrong way. We don't really understand what Paul was actually saying. We think, oh, the Bible says that I can do anything through Christ. Anything. Okay, well, I'll be able to get that job. I'll uh, be able to make that person love me. I'll be able to lead the team to the championship. I, I know this verse is a favorite of some uh, football players. I'll be able to avoid a bad case of COVID. I'll be able to avoid getting COVID, period. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I'll be able to ace that exam whether I studied or not. I'll be able to be healthy and prosperous and successful. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. But when you see what Paul said before he said that, it's clear that that's not really the kind of thing that he had in mind when he said this, right? Paul wasn't saying, oh, through Christ, you'll definitely be able to win the Super Bowl. Right? He was saying, through Christ, you'll be able to be content whether you win the Super Bowl or not. You know, the way that some of us understand this verse, Paul shouldn't have been imprisoned in the first place. Right? If Paul can do all things through Christ, why did he end up in prison? He should at least be able to escape. Shouldn't he be able to do that you know, Jedi mind trick? This is not the apostle you're looking for. <laughs> what Paul is really saying here is that through Christ's strength, he has an ability to be content regardless of the situation. We want him to be saying that through Christ, we can just accomplish whatever we want, whatever our hearts desire. But that's not quite right, right? He's saying that through Christ, we already have what we want the most, and so through him, we can handle whatever the world throws at us. There's a difference. I have learned the secret of being content. What does Paul mean by content? There's a Greek word that gets translated as happy other places in the New Testament. So it seems to be a word that clearly means happy. And Paul could have used that word, but he doesn't use that word. He, he uses a word that actually doesn't appear anywhere else in the New Testament. So it's kind of hard to figure out exactly uh, what he means by it. But I will give you my own translation. My own translation, for what it's worth, is I have learned the secret 
of being okay, regardless of the circumstances. You know, Paul's not talking about being on cloud nine. He's not saying that he's giddy with delight about being in prison. But he's okay. He's at peace. The situation might not be what he prefers, but he is content. Do we know that kind of contentment? I don't think many of us do. I think that's one of the reasons why 2020 was so hard. You know, and I'll be honest, I still need to learn about this kind of contentment. I'm not standing up here talking to you like I'm somebody who's figured this all out. I'm still learning this. But how do we learn that kind of contentment? My wife's family has this yearly tradition where they gather together shortly after Thanksgiving and they set goals for the next year. And they also pick a theme for the next year. So everyone writes down an idea for a theme and anonymously throws it into a pile and then someone reads and we all vote on them. And uh, at the end of 2019, we had our meeting and one of the suggested themes for the year was lower your expectations which I thought was really funny, and I'm confident that one of my brother-in-laws put that one in. Um, and it was not the theme that won, but considering how 2020 went, I think that was probably the best choice. And I think that maybe we missed out on something prophetic there. <laughs> if we're going to learn contentment, lowering expectations is part of it. Now, I want to be careful not to be... Misunderstood here, okay? There are certain expectations that we should not lower. Part of the life of faith is expecting that God will care for us, right? Expecting that God can do great things. Uh, expecting that God can take even terrible situations and squeeze something good out of them. That, that through us, uh, God works to heal the world, that we can be part of that, right? And, and we never want to lower our expectations about that. We always want to have faith, high expectations uh, in, in regard to those things. But if we want to be content, some of us do need to lower our expectations about certain kinds of things, right? Some of us need to stop expecting that life is just going to be free from challenges, that it's going to be free from pain, free from difficulty. Some of us need to stop expecting that all of our dreams are going to come true or that we're entitled for them to come true, this side of heaven. There's a Calvin and Hobbes comic where Calvin says, happiness isn't good enough for me. I demand euphoria. And I think whether we realize it or not, some of us are like Calvin. We want life to be euphoric. We want a life that is consistently the fulfillment of our dreams, never boring, never too hard, never disappointing. But of course, the irony is that if we expect euphoria, then we're always upset. I mean, Calvin doesn't look very happy here, does he? Right? He's shaking his fist at the universe, demanding something that he doesn't have, and something that he can't have. In some ways, it is wise to lower our expectations if we are going to be content. And I think the Apostle Paul is a really good model of this. In some ways, he had high expectations, right? He believed that God could do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Those are his words. 
He believed that God could do miracles. And he saw miracles. But Paul also had low expectations in the sense that he did not expect life to be smooth sailing. He did not expect ministry to be smooth sailing. He didn't act surprised when he ended up in jail or when he was threatened or rejected or anything like that. He had high expectations in some ways, low expectations in other ways. And that is part of the secret of contentment. But of course, there's more to the secret of contentment than just that. Paul says clearly, the secret of contentment is the strength that comes through Christ. But how does Christ give us that strength? How does he give us strength for contentment? Well, in order to answer that, I think it's helpful for us to think about how our minds often work. So here's the way we often think. Some of us think, I'm not going to be able to be content until I have fill in the blank, right? If I could just finish school, then I could finally feel good about myself, good about life. Uh, If I could just get married, if I could just get divorced, if I could just have kids, if the kids would just grow up and leave, right? Uh, if, uh, If I made a little bit more money, if I just had that promotion, if I could just retire, then I could be happy, then I could be content. But the thing is, so often, once we get that thing that we think will be the secret to our contentment, immediately our minds just move to the next thing that we think we need. And we think, well, actually, if I just had that, then I could really be content. And of course, once we get that thing, if we do, then our minds just move on to this next thing that we think we need to be happy. And what Jesus wants to do for us is to break that never-ending sequence of dissatisfaction. And the way that he does this is by addressing our most foundational longings. Addressing our most foundational longings. Behind all the desires we have are more fundamental longings. So, for example, okay, you might think, I really want a nice house. That's what I need to be happy. Nothing wrong with wanting a nice house. I want a nice house. Reasonable thing to want. Okay. But let's think about this. What, what is it that we really want? What is the foundational longing underneath that desire for a nice house? Well, obviously, there's a, a desire for shelter, which is something that, that we need, right? But there's, there's a deeper reason underneath that, right? Which is that we long for safety. We long for security. Uh, we, we long for beauty, Right? Now, when you think about it, those foundational longings of our hearts can only find a temporary kind of satisfaction in something like a house. A house can give us some satisfaction for those things, but but it's temporary, right? The only thing that can satisfy that longing in any kind of eternal sense is Jesus. Through Jesus, we have assurance of an eternal home, right? Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Through Jesus, we have assurance that we are eternally safe and secure, right? Because as as Scripture tells us, nothing can separate us from the love of God. 
And if you take pretty much any desire that you have and you interrogate it and you try to get down to what is the foundational longing that is behind that desire, you realize that what you are really looking for is something that only God could give. It's either something that doesn't exist or it's something that God alone would be able to give to you. And the good news of the gospel is the message that God wants to give it to us. Behind so much of our striving and our longing and our discontent are foundational desires. Like, you know, we want to feel loved, we want to feel known, we want to feel valued, uh, we want to have a sense of purpose and significance, we want to live. Even those of us who despair of life and want to end it, the reason is because we feel like we can't really live. Right? We want to live. And when we really understand the gospel, we understand that those deep longings for love, for safety, for significance, for purpose, for beauty, for life, and eternal life, they can be satisfied. Through Christ, we have this hope of eternal life. Through Christ, we have hope that this broken world will be redeemed. Through Christ, we have hope that evil will lose, right? Through Christ, we have hope that we are forgiven and we're embraced by God. That the creator of the universe, the source of everything that is beautiful and good, is reconciling us to himself. And when we recognize that, that is when our faith becomes strong. And the stronger our faith is, that frees us to be content. Right? It enables us to be okay. In plenty or in want, in a good year or in a bad year, in a healthy time or in a pandemic. Another way that Jesus gives us strength for contentment is he gives us a new idea of what life is all about. The goal of our earthly lives right now should be to become more like Jesus. It should be to become people of love and grace and depth of character, people who know God and love God, people who are agents of healing and reconciliation in the world. Right? That's, that's ultimately the point of these earthly lives that we're living. That's what it's all about. And when we recognize that that is the purpose of our lives, we realize that we always have the opportunity to do those things. The pandemic doesn't remove the opportunity to do those things, right? If you think that the point of your life is to travel, that's what it's all about, is to travel. Well, then 2020 was devastating for you, right? You couldn't go anywhere. You were robbed of your purpose. But if you believe that the point of your life is to become more like Jesus, well, the pandemic didn't destroy that. That opportunity was still there every day that you woke up. When we really believe that that is the purpose of our lives, that purpose is indestructible. And that enables us to be content. You know, if the purpose of my life, or if I believe that the purpose of my life was to become a football player, well, that, that opportunity has definitely passed me by. I don't think it ever was really there. Um, but the opportunity is gone. And if I continue to believe that that was the purpose of my life, then I'm going to be in despair. Right? But if the purpose of my life is to become more like Jesus, 
even if I screwed up the last few days, today, that opportunity is still before me. That purpose still remains. It's, it's indestructible. And that helps me to be content. I'll never be able to be content if I think the purpose of my life was to be a football player. But if it's all about becoming like Jesus, then we all have hope. So, as we move into 2021, let's remember, okay, whatever is ahead, and, and we don't know necessarily what's ahead, through Christ we have a source of contentment. There is a way for us to be okay, but we have to keep our eyes on him, right? The strength comes from him. It comes from looking to him and to his promises to satisfy our longing and to looking to him to define our purpose. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that in 2021 we would understand this contentment that Paul talks about. Lord, I pray that we would experience it, that we, we would know it, that we would derive strength uh, from having you shape our understanding of who we are. Lord, may the gospel um, fill us with hope in 2021. And Lord, we do pray in the hopes that uh, 2021 would be a year of healing and a, a year of, of putting the pandemic behind us. We, we long to be able to meet freely together again and to fellowship with one another. And uh, we do pray that we would experience that. But we pray that whatever comes, whatever happens, we would know the contentment that comes through Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.